everybody. You are listening to the 55th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm DeCarlo Calloway. Alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we always pack gifts when visiting strangers, watch playoff dreams go up in smoke, start stealing bases again, wonder if people can dish or take jokes, and remind the Boston Red Sox that spitting is uncouth. Of course, we want to begin this episode like we do all our episodes by just talking about what it is while we're drinking. So today I am doing a little rewind and drinking some Yokashi Mugi Sochu again. And it's really hitting very nice. I'm on my second glass already. So forgive me, folks, if I'm a little bit stumbly midway through this, but it's for good reason. What about you, Dorian? What is it, what it, is, what is it that you were drinking today? Good to see you again, my friend. And I like how you said that. Rewind. Because whenever, I, whenever I'll do that in the future about getting a drink I'd already drank in the past, that's what I'm going to call it. A rewind drink. Cheers to that. Cheers to creativity. Cheers to the good, to the good people in Japan who work hard and make your yogaishi boogie soju. But uh, I'm going to take it back here to the good old America. I, in my hand, I have a Wildcat Kentucky Common from a Rewind brewery. I, I drank from this brewery about four or five weeks ago, Decipher Brewing in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm going to have a drink. What I like is this is good. It's a nice dark beer, and it has to do with Kentucky bourbon or some bourbon barrels. I don't know. It's strong. It's dark. I like it. But when I do my rewind breweries, I always have to think, what what new can I share with you? And I came across it in the county of Albemarle, which is where Charlottesville is, which is the home of Thomas Jefferson. There was a man by the name of Meriwether Lewis who came from Albemarle, whatever. He came from somewhere around Charlottesville. He was born on the August 18th. 1774, happy 247th birthday, Meriwether Lewis. And we know him in America, at least, as the Lewis in one of the, and would have hit one of American history's greatest duos, Lewis and Clark. What do you remember about that, my friend? Uh, that they set out on an expedition to explore the Louise, the newly acquired Louisiana territory that the United States acquired from uh and as i say acquired i do this in quotes from france and they traversed from what is it where did they start again they started in illinois yeah the illinois and they went all the way to the pacific coast in oregon that must have been i'm gonna be crazy people this there was no airbnb back then no no it was just it was america in its rawest form like i mean they keep it funky for you. It was it was deadly out there. But Thomas Jefferson Thomas Jefferson knew Meriwether Lewis from earlier because they 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 ran in the same circles as we but he was say also, today. Meriwether Lewis was also his assistant, I believe. Something like before. that, yeah, yeah. But the reason he was he he was even working in the administration was because he knew him before then. Yeah. And Meriwether Lewis served in the U.S. Army for six years, rising to the to the rank of captain. Thank you for your service. America salutes you. And that he that's in the army is where Meriwether met William Clark. Again, Lewis and Clark. You think about great American duos. I think about Pharrell, William, and Chad Hugo. 
I think about Paul McCartney and they're not American. John Lennon. Yeah, but everyone knows who Lennon and McCartney is. What what about some other great American duos? See, but you said American duos. Lennon and McCartney were American. Whatever. John Lennon, they, they, he lived here in the U.S. before he died. Yeah, Don't. but he's from Liverpool. Anyway, um, Dre and Snoop, that's a good duo. Um, Magic and Kareem, Scotty and uh, Jordan and Pippen. Abbott and Costello. Yeah, um, Laurel and Hardy. Mickey and Minnie. Jesus and Mero. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Marino to Clayton. That's a football one. To Carlo and Dorian. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Great way to end. The great way to segue into. So Lewis and Clark went out. It was actually called. We we learned it as the Lewis and Clark expedition, but it actually was the core. It was called the Discovery Expedition. So again, like to Carlo said, it was to scientifically find out what kind of agriculture and there was they're also supposed to look for a pathway a water pathway from basically saint not saint louis saint louis was in missouri Mm -hmm. all the way out to the west um and they took them two years basically to go from illinois all the way out to i think it was oregon or something yeah oregon they ended where i think is modern day astoria like Oregon, or something? I've never or been to that part of the country. I'd love to go, but I've never been to uh, Oregon. Yeah, or I've never been Washington to the Pacific State. Northwest. And along the way, they obviously, as De Carlo said, America was not empty. It was completely full of Native Americans. Oh, they're all different nations, all different tribes, all different languages. But one of the things that was a social currency amongst all of the tribes was tobacco. Everyone loved tobacco. And so they, that's how they were able to not become friends, but I guess start that diplomacy and dialogue with some of the natives, some of the native nations that they came out to because tobacco was seen as a ceremonial tribute. And so these white men were coming with a black slave and a native woman. But again, it was overwhelmingly these white men and uh, they needed that tobacco to help it. So. To, uh, I don't, I don't, what do I say? Congratulations. Like whatever, just, you know, cheers to, to, to <laughs> cheers to the duo Lewis and Clark. <laughs> that was really good. Congratulations for making it alive and not dying of, I don't even know. God knows how many rampant diseases were going on in oh, around man, 1803, man. 1804, 1805. Yeah, yeah. That would have been terrible. Like I can only like, sometimes, you know, it's funny. Like sometimes when I travel in certain places, I like to put myself with like a vision like envision myself being there back in time you know when it was much more primitive um when it was a lot more um, natural wonders to it you know because unfortunately as human beings we we don't we don't come bearing gifts we t- we come taking things and so you know what was it like when was you know the land open like that and what wildlife was there that was indigenous to that that area at the time that no longer is and you know, it's, it's interesting but yeah it's also it's, it's also very nice to see what we've developed over time if if we could find that balance where we work well with nature as opposed to you know destroying it in the process of elevating ourselves and you know, all that jazz that's right and finally, the Discovery Corps, they didn't have social media to distract themselves late at night or listen to YouTube videos, listen, whatever, watch, etc. But we do. And we have social media. 
one of your favorite podcasts. We're on Twitter. Follow us at HBP4040. And we're also on Instagram. Our Insta- It's brand new. The, the Instagram account is very simply Hipster Baseball Podcast. The Discovery Corps also didn't have sports to distract them while they're going across on a two-year freaking journey across half of a continent. But we do, my friend. We do. And we have enjoyed four different series in this postseason of baseball. Is there any any specific one that stood out for you? Um, I would say... L.A. San Fran stood out because it didn't stand out. <laughs> like, the pitching matchups were really good. That was, like, the good thing about it. It is nice. That's one thing I do enjoy about the playoffs is really good pitching. Because I don't know if people really understand. When you sit back and watch, the, the pitches movement, the speed, the off-change, like, and when you see duelers, like, really going it out, I know it can be, you know, for the offensive-minded individual – who, you know, or just for the say, like the layman fan who likes to see the long ball, likes to see an offensive barrage. I find it's really good when you can sit back and see pitching because then you really see like the purest of the form game. And, you know, pitching is a really great art form. And to be able to see great pitching in a series, even to the sacrifice of good offense, I'll go with it anytime. Yeah, you're right. The, that giant, that that San Francisco Giants and Los Angeles Dodgers division series, along with the Atlanta Braves and Milwaukee Brewers, both a division series in the National League, heavy pitching. I mean, that was ridiculous pitching on the American League side. It was all fireworks, all long balls, all offense, all the time. The first one I want to I want to talk about is the Houston Astros beating the Chicago White Sox. One of one of the co-hosts of this pot of this podcast favorite teams, the Chicago White Sox. Houston is man, they, they're they're serious. And I had said this before that they were a dark horse at the beginning of the season. I said they were a dark horse for the World Series, and they just were a better team than the Chicago White Sox. I was surprised. I was disappointed, but I was surprised. And Houston went out two games to nothing. They immediately jumped all over the White Sox. Houston was, I think they ended up, they ended up scoring, I think something like 30 something runs in four games. I, I, they were, the White Sox pitching could not stop them. On the flip side, the White Sox offense, they were so pedestrian. It, all of this power, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, they were only getting singles. So it was disappointing. It, it, Chicago only won one game. That was game three. I thought that they were going to stage a comeback at home in Chicago, game three. They, Yasmani Grandal, I said like about a month ago, what a monster he's been since he returned from his injury. But uh, he had, he started a rally. The White Sox were down five to one as usual. He hit a two run home run. The crowd started shout. You, you like this, Carlo, because we're both soccer, soccer football fans, but you're a bigger one than I am. The Chicago crowd started started shouting, ole, 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 Jose, Jose, no, for the Chicago White Sox first baseman, Jose Abreu, who won the MVP last year. No. But he didn't have a good postseason at all. Um, 
You know what? Let's just blame it on Tony La Russa. <laughs> like, you know, honestly, would, we don't I even need to, to rationalize it. It's Tony La Russa's fault. This is I would love to, but it the Astros are just we're just a better team. It it was my, my last cheaters. Yeah, my last point is for this for the series is that the Astros always seem to come through. They made it look so easy to Carlo, and the White Sox made it seem so hard to put men on base to to move them over. To, like I said, they they weren't hitting. All, that was a huge power outage. So yeah, out they go. So again, it. But we'll, hopefully, the, the the most most everyone should come back for for the White Sox next season. But one thing that Tony Larusa will have to address for the White Sox is that horrific defense that the white Sox have and again it reared its ugly head at the worst possible time the defense didn't lose a series but it was a reason why they lost the series so and then to finish off the american league did you manage to catch any of the tampa tampa bay rays and the boston red sox series no i was only able to catch some highlights unfortunately man so the five like 5 30 wake up really hinders a brother's ability to sit back and watch games through through, through and through man so i gotta do the youtube like catch up in certain cases my heart hurts for you and my heart hurts for my tampa bay rays as well boston beat tampa three to one people tampa took it to boston in game one i think i don't remember the score but we beat them handily and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to finish them off in three, four games. Record scratch. Mm-hmm. Boston came back and won three straight games. Yeah. And unfortunately, what, what has happened is now, like, Boston Red Sox fans on Twitter and all social media has, like, gone berserk. And then even, like, on newscasts, you'll catch, like, the commentators who are Boston fans just talking so much junk. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, why is it that Boston and like Philly fans always have to be like the worst? And they complain about New York fans. And New York fans don't glow like that to that degree. Yeah. Not to the point where we want to act like we're converting people. People just want to jump on the bandwagon as it is. It's what it is. But still, I digress. It it some people some people take their sports as is as if it was a personality trait. It's not. We love it's sports. Not. We can be fanatics, but we don't have to be. No, insane. but there is a certain like. It, you know it's kind of funny i'm just there's a certain type of like love that even like like a connection that you have with other like fans so i'll give you an example so i was out in hawaii this summer our longtime listeners would know that and i'm in volcanoes national park and i'm wearing a like a liverpool jersey so i walk by and this guy walks by and you'll never walk alone like just like under his breath, like out of nowhere but I'm and like, then he pushed you into the volcano no he did not push me into the caldera thank god <laughs> But no, it was just, it, it demonstrated like there's a certain, like, there is something when it comes to your sports teams, but I get as, exactly to your degree, like a personality trait of something. It gets, it gets a little overboard. We got some shared camaraderie when it comes to it, but there's ways to do it. And then there's just like object ways that I find like unfitting. It's funny you say that about the, uh, the story about the volcano and, and the Liverpool kit. When, uh, this happened about like two, this is pre-COVID, so this is probably about two years ago. I was wearing a Braves, I was either wearing, I was out and I was either wearing a Braves hat or a Braves shirt. And I'm like absentmindedly like going to wherever I need to go. And and I hear someone mumbling, but I'm like, oh, whatever. And I just keep going. And then someone said, go Braves. And I'm like, oh, oh, they're talking, they're talking to me. <laughs> it wasn't like aggressive, but they were kind of like, like the tone of their voice was, hey, acknowledge me. 
I'm like connecting with this complete stranger. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. Yeah, go Braves. Like, that is funny. Um, but uh, as a Tampa Bay Rays fan, uh, basically the real reason that the Rays lost this series to Boston, both the offenses were awesome. This was the most offense for both teams in of all the four divisional series in, in this playoffs. The starting pitching of the Rays. None of their starters, none of their starting pitchers went more than three innings in the three losses to Boston. So that bullpen was taxed to the max. What is this, an 80s radio show? <laughs> so because that starting pitching and it, they were all rookies, which is okay. The Rays have an awesome eye for talent, but the bullpen wasn't as good this year as it was last year when they made it all the way to game six of the world series. And I blame the cheapness of the Tampa Bay Rays owner, who's also a huge New York Mets fan. He refused to pay Charlie Morton a $15 million salary for this year. So Charlie Morton signed for $15 million with the Atlanta Braves. And he pitched awesome this playoffs. You don't think the Rays would have loved to have Charlie Morton take take the take the ball for one or two games this series? They they would have won one game. I, I say that Miss Cleo is in here, but Charlie Morton is awesome. They were cheap; they didn't want to play him. And um, uh, Tyler last now he blew out his elbow. He has Tommy John surgery, and so he wasn't available. Again, if the Rays had spent it, that's what's crazy, DeCarlo. The Rays do so many incredible things. They went to the World Series last year. They won 100 games this year and 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 won the American League American League uh, East Division. Going competing against the the financial powerhouses of Boston and the New York Yankees. If and and they have one of the worst pay not worst one of the lowest payrolls. If they were just bumped that up by by signing one or two guys, what what could they do to Carl? What could they, they do? They could do a lot, but the problem is, is that their owners are more conscious. They're like they like the business aspect of it. They don't really care about the team like doing well, you know. And and I think people tend to forget that sometimes that it is business, and some businesses are just like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna put that out. You know, we're we're punching above our weight as it is, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna sit back and just take it as it is, which I I think sucks because you definitely it's it's more of a win-win when you consistently have fans in the stands but you know when you're wealthy like that man you know certain people would view certain obligations like us in a particular way and uh to them it's just doesn't doesn't compute in the same way sure but it's so disappointing and again hats off to boston their offense was out of this world kike hernandez and jd martinez who returned from that ankle injury about a week or so ago, they both hit over 400 in the series, which is amazing. Going over to the National League, like DiCarlo said, the Giants and the Dodgers, awesome pitching matchup. The Giants won 107 games. The Dodgers won 106 games. This pitching was so good that the Giants' team batting average, DiCarlo, was 182. That is horrific. That's how good the dog and the, and the Giants, I think, had the third or fourth best offense this year. But on the flip side, no, it's the- funny just before you you care like continue. It's funny because people were just like the one like depressing thing people said. It's such a bad way for a team who punched over 107 games to go out. 
it was just pretty pathetic. Like when you think about it, it's like, damn, they should have had at least a better showing than this, but unfortunately they didn't. But you know what? On the flip side, the Giants pitching was so good that the Dodgers team batting average was 239. That's nothing to write home about either. No, not at all, but they still won. And that could change in the next series. I mean, because you're not going to be facing the same pitchers. So, you know, it could di- it could be different. But at the same time, I, I totally I totally get what you're saying. It, it wasn't as though it, it didn't matter who came out of this series. The numbers, especially because of how well the pitching was, it was it wasn't going to be uh, favorable to the team that won. Yeah. And I still I, I wasn't a believer in the in the San Francisco Giants. Uh, chances because I just looked at the roster. The roster is completely underwhelming. I didn't believe in their pitching, but they just continue to defy the odds this year by being complete badasses. I have no idea how they did it. They had some kind of crazy voodoo magic, but the Dodgers showed their incredible depth and they won in, in five games in San Francisco as well. Uh, so they got their, they got their mini revenge for having to go through the wild card. And finally, the Dodgers are going to play the Atlanta Braves, who beat the Milwaukee Brewers three games to one. I think this was the best pitch series. This is a better pitch series than the San Francisco LA one. You made fun of San Francisco when they're terrible 182 batting average and they lost. The Milwaukee Brewers team batting average was 192. <laughs> That's basically like one or two extra hits. The, I, I'm going to tell you people, I know Milwaukee's not a big, they, they don't, they don't have a nationwide fan base. They don't, they're not on national television a lot, but that pitching staff is sick. Oh my God. Are they sick? They, the Braves have, I think the Braves were at the number seven or number eight offense this year. They almost shut us down. It, it was, it, it I love pitching, and I was like, I was even more impressed than I had already anticipated to be by Milwaukee's uh, st- uh, starting staff. They were damn near untouchable. Every single starter for both Atlanta and Milwaukee, they all went six innings in the first two games. In all, in all four games, they all everyone went at least five innings, which is a completely different than what happened over in, in Tampa. But uh, Jock Peterson. We talked about him a few episodes ago with his amazing pearls. He was an amazing pinch hitter. He used to be with the LA Dodgers. He had two home runs. He had another single. It's got to be the pearls. That's all I got to say. And hats off to, again, the Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff and their third baseman, Luis Urias, who in game four made about three incredible defensive plays so and he saved multiple runs so milwaukee needs well what milwaukee needs is offense in four games they scored I, th- I think it was six runs you're, you're not going anywhere if you're scoring six runs in the playoffs that's 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 insane that's how good also the braves pitching staff was so that's good old-fashioned baseball in the national league and fireworks over in the american league and one thing that baseball loved about old-fashioned baseball is bunting and stealing bases, which we don't see anymore. No, yeah. So it's funny. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal uh, this past week, and it was talking about how with the advent of Moneyball, 
And that philosophy kind of killed the stolen base, but we've started to see it making a comeback. So, so far, like in 2021, prospective thieves were safe 75.7% of their attempts, which is a record. They've been even more successful so far during this part of these postseason. And this was entering Thursday. Now we're Friday, so just yesterday. Uh, having gone 17 of 19 in stolen base attempts. So that's an 89.5% clip, which is something that's pretty crazy because what happened in the wake of Moneyball and the analytic revolution that kind of followed it. So everybody started to follow the numbers and stolen bases. And this is one of the most, like when we think about it, when we think of stolen bases, we think of Rick, Ricky Henderson. When we think of the times when you had 30, 30, and 40, 40 players. Like, I think there's a generation of people who will walk by the 40, 40 club. Like the 40, 40 club. And be like, what's this named after? And it was Jose like, Canseco. Exactly. Alex Rodriguez, Jose Canseco, where they hit 40 home runs, stole 40 bases. You don't see that anymore. And mainly because through the advent of Moneyball in this article, it's talked about. So it's only worth attempting if they're successful 75% of the time. And unfortunately, because of this, it was pretty much almost the death of the stolen base. So it wasn't like if you were looking at your numbers and you see that the majority of your players, they're not going to be safe 75% of the time. You're not going to pretty much call those signals to have them steal bases. So that's what started to cut down on it. And this brings us to kind of something that we talked about before in previous episodes about MLB's draw, especially currently. With stolen bases kind of being something that was a big draw and that, oh, wow effect, especially because, say, in a stagnant game when you do have a, a tight pitching duel and you get a player on, on first base and they attempt to steal, that brings out that momentum and rally that we've been missing a lot of the time. And so you don't have that. Like, think about back, say, was it 2000 and was it 2004? Yes, 2004. When the Yankee when the Red Sox beat the Yankees Dave Roberts was like who's still currently the coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers was got on base in one of the situations and was running all over the Yankees ass and so that got the Red Sox rallying and motivated like now you won't really see that so this is something interesting I thought was just to bring us to that thought like what if the lack of stolen bases in this lat, like in this current generation, has led to a decline in excitement in Major League Baseball. Like, what do you think about that? I love the stolen base because it puts so much that the running game, as it's called in baseball, puts so much pressure on the pitcher. Because at that point, when you know you have a fast and good base runner on first base or even second base second base is even worse because that person's behind the pitcher the pitcher now has to figure out has to be attentive to the runner on first base or second base the batter the count what the what his catcher wants him to throw it just adds potentially more confusion and more chaos and so I'm disappointed that the running game has been has been out of fashion in baseball for a while. When you know psychologically, it can mess with the pitcher's head. What? Why not? And I love seeing the pitchers and the catcher throwing, 
and the announcer saying, you know, this catcher doesn't have that good of an arm or this, this catcher is, is phenomenal. No one can run on him. Uh, they, uh, the Atlanta Braves have the, they drafted a catcher about two, three years ago. I think he's down in double A in the minor leagues, uh, Brandon, what's his kid's name? Brandon Shoemaker. No, that, I'm completely messing it up. Anyways, I forget the kid's name. Allegedly, I've never seen him because he's down in double A. He has like a gun of an arm that in the minors, people have stopped running on him. That's how good he is because he's been throwing everyone out. But anyways, I love that it brings chaos to the game and chaos can be exciting. You're totally right. But you know, what's really funny too. You just, when you mentioned about catchers too and having a good arm, that's something you kind of miss out too because there was a point in time where there would always be that, you know, that comment about, oh, he got a gun. You know what I mean? And so it almost now might descend, like it's not even an incentive for a catcher to really work on their arm strength at this point. Yeah. They don't have to really think about being challenged with runners you know, attempting to steal bases. Really and by the way, the HBP bullpen just set, just slid a note to me saying that it's actually the Braves kick catcher in the minor leagues is Shea Langoliers, not whatever the word, whatever name I said earlier. Shea, Shea, La- Shea Langolier hmm. apparently has an absolute rocket Chandelier? of an arm. Shane Langoliers. Huh? Shane Chandelier? <laughs> Langoliers. Langoliers. Interesting, man. Sounds very nice off the tongue, though. Langoliers. It is. So I can't wait to see more stolen bases in the playoffs in the championship series. Yeah, and just, you know, kind of a little caveat. Um, so there was, ba- like, base stealers back in 2020 passed the threshold of 75% of success rate attempts. But, of course, it was a, you know, pandemic-shortened season. So some of the numbers are going to be inflated. But still, and they did it. statistical people would say small sample size. Yep, exactly. But I think we have to sit back and think about what's the prospect for these uh, now championship series. What do you think? Yeah. Like, how are, we, how, how are we calling it? What do you think is going to happen? And this is when we're bringing in our favorite Jamaican Brooklynite, Miss Cleo time. Call AKA, me now. Call me now. Call me now, please. Call me. For the playoff predictions. And I'm calling the American League Championship Series the Trash Can Series, the Oscar the Grouch Series. It's a rematch between the Boston Red Sox, led by Alex Correa against the Houston Astros. Alex Correa was a bench coach with Houston when Houston was not allegedly, they were found to be cheating using trash cans to signal what kind of pitch (laughs) their batters would face. And so it's a lot easier to hit a ball once you know what's coming to you, whether it's a slider, a fastball, a curveball, a change, et cetera. So... Alex Correa was part of both the 2017 Houston Astros that won that air quote won the World Series and as manager, the 2018 Boston Red Sox that also won the World Series. Both those teams won. Both of those teams beat the LA Dodgers in the World Series. And this is actually the third time in the past five years that they're going to play. The Astros and Red Sox played back in 2017 in the playoffs and in 2018. It's one to one. Houston won back in 2017. Boston won in 2018. So this is uh, the the rubber match. Uh, Seeing Boston, I they're a good team. 
they were better than I thought they were, but they're st- I didn't think they were bad. I thought they were a good team. My prediction, Carl uh, DiCarlo, is the Astros. Are, the Astros and the Red Sox are so similar. They both have good pitching. They both have really good offenses. I think this is going full, full seven games. And Houston has home field advantage as well. That's not a bad prediction. Actually, I would sit back. I could see that. I could see that. But or I could, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston takes it. Only because they everybody kind of acts surprised when they do. And Ooh. they just I don't know. It just seems to me it just seems that like Houston, Houston be, would take the series. Yeah, because That's it's not, not surprised, but it's almost in the sense that I don't know, Houston. After that whole scandal, it's like everybody's almost like <gasps> every time they actually do something right. <laughs> well. And so I think that's kind of going to have the same effect, too, is that they pull it out and people are just like, oh, it's like clutching their pearls like they did. It. But I, I have to agree with you. It's going to be an evenly matched series. Both, you know, I think I, it's hard. Not, it, I'll just put it this way. It's hard to see either team dominating against the other. Oh yeah, that's not that's not gonna happen. Both of these teams are seasoned playoff veterans. Boston won the World Series what three years ago, back in 2018, 19, yeah, two, three years ago. Houston, this is Houston's fifth one, two, three, four, five, fifth consecutive American League Championship series. Mm-hmm. That's those are that's a serious run. That they're starting to bump up against historically some of the greatest runs in playoff history. The Atlanta Braves, I think they hold the record with eight back in the 90s from 1991 all the way until 1999. They were in every single National League championship series. So the Astros may even have the American League record because the championship series has only been around since uh, what the, the, the I think 1969, 1970, something like that. So this is a serious team with some serious pedigree. So I still think Houston's a little bit better. And they have, even though everyone knows they're a bunch of cheaters, they also have a point to prove of like saying, hey, let's go and prove to people that we are actually as good as we think we are, as we showed everyone we are by be, by going to the World Series. So unfortunately, I say Houston is seven. And frankly, DiCarlo, I don't want ball. I'm tired of Boston teams. I don't want them in, in another championship game, whether it's Super Bowl, whether it's a Stanley Cup final, whether it's a Boston Celtics in, in basketball. I'd rather not have a Boston team. We just lost all of our Boston listeners <laughs> or, or New England listeners. Yeah, that's fine. I don't think we're going to sleep over <laughs> says, that. Says our resident New York Yankee Yankees fan. fan. Exactly. <laughs> We love all of our listeners, whether you're from Boston or Bangladesh. We love them all. And finally, over in the National League, Miss Cleo is telling me that this other series, I'm, which I'm calling the extra inning series, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Goliath of baseball against the Atlanta Braves. I They're actually really... think the Braves are going to take this one. I think so as well, my friend. This is they have a lot of momentum moving in their direction right now. And you know what? They have a lot of they have a lot to prove. And and how much and how how much um, vindication would you and other Braves fans take after those uh, 
uh, predictions that were put out earlier this season, like prior to the start of the season about the Braves. Yeah, obviously, as we said in, I think, last week's episode, that Dakota thought that the Braves were going to finish fourth place and they were going to make the, the playoffs and they ended up winning the division. But this is such a weird, what's such a weird season? Just like the Astros and the Dodge Astros and the Red Sox, this is the third time they're facing off in five years. This is the third time in four years that the Dodgers and the Braves are facing off. They played in the 2018 National League Division Series. They played in the in last year's National League Championship Series, and now they're playing again, re, rematch. But as the Carlos Drink told us or at the top of the show, rewind in 2021. But the I don't see this as a rivalry though, because the Dodgers won in 2018, the Dodgers won in 2020. You can't have a rivalry when one team keep keeps continuously winning these matchups. So hopefully it will actually become a rivalry and the Braves win. And yeah, I say this. Sen- it's just sentimental at that point. I say this to Carlo. When I was, you know, thinking up of uh, my talking points for this week's podcast, I said, no, I didn't say. Miss Cleo told me that it was going to be Dodgers in six. I my My heart always says the Braves are going to go undefeated 162 wins and never lose. My head says the Dodgers are a better team. And the Braves have one of the best players in baseball. What legitimately one of the top five baseball players, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's injured. The Braves have been doing this without their best player, which is just mind blowing for me winning the division. Beating the Brewers, all this is just gravy. Everything is just like I didn't, I genuinely didn't expect us to even go to the playoffs once Ronald Acuna Jr. was injured at the beginning of July with a knee injury down in uh, in Miami against the Marlins. And again, last year the Dodgers beat the Braves four games to three when the Braves had them. We had them. We were we we were we, we were leading the series three games to one, and the Dodgers came back. Hats off to them. That was a phenomenal team. But, DiCarlo, I, I mentioned this last week about this Dodgers team reminds me of that 1993 Braves team that also was in a historic division race against the San Francisco Giants. In 1983, the Braves won 104 games. The Giants won 103 games. And then the Braves lost the National League Championship Series against the Philadelphia Phillies because they were mentally and physically exhausted from that season-long battle with the San Francisco Giants. Now, the Dodgers just beat the Giants in the full five games. And their Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, at the end of the, 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 the series said, quote, we poured everything we could into the series. And it took everything we had to beat these guys, end quote. And he's talking about the San Francisco Giants. Also, the, the, the L.A. Dodgers center fielder, well, now he's their first baseman, Cody Bellinger, said, quote, talking about the Braves, quote, it's going to be another good one. It's not going to be easy. We played each other a few times the last few years, so we kind of know each other, and we're really looking forward to it, end quote. What struck out for me, what's, what stuck out, was Dave Roberts' quote about they, him saying it took everything we had to beat the Giants. So I'm asking, so 
my initial also thought be was strategy too. No, my initial. Yeah, I think the, that was the the uh, that the sigh of relief after victory. It's like, oh my goodness, we we won 106 games and we still had to go wild card. Now we're gonna play. Now we actually finally beat the Giants, and now we're playing the Braves. I think mentally they're gonna be a letdown, and I'm picking Braves in six. I initially said Dodgers in set in six, but I was like, no, the Braves in six because of what Dave Roberts said. It's a very unguarded moment that he said there that that this was probably their focus to yeah. beat the Giants finally. Could be, but it could also be Ruth. So I'm. I'm I'm gonna go Braves, but Braves in seven. Okay. Here's hoping, and then they will be able to celebrate with the champagne, with beer, with whatever. The Braves. Hopefully, in a week or so, we can move on to the World Series. Yes, and they would be celebrating with the best beer, Rheingold beer. So think about this, people. Whenever you are spraying your teammates after winning a championship or you're just sitting back and taking one back, Ryan Gold. If it looks gold and tastes smooth, you know it's Ryan Gold. So moving on, I have to sit back and say this. And something that's been percolating recently, and I know I'm not the only one who's probably heard about this. Uh, comedian Dave Chappelle. Has a new Netflix special. Now, we've spoken about Chappelle uh, a few times on this podcast. Um, I per- I am a fan of Dave Chappelle, always have been for quite a while. And so we put out a new comedy special called The Closer. And this was his last Netflix special. And, you know, of course, Dave does not hold back punches. He, he will make fun of things and he observes what he sees and he makes commentary on it. And... Um, Within this uh, special, you know, he's, he's getting a lot more backlash than I think he's gotten previously. Now, you watched the special, haven't you? I did, actually. I think I watched it uh, just recently. So, yeah, yeah, it was. I watched it. What were your thoughts about it? I, I liked it. I thought that I always loved Dave Chappelle. I mean, I loved him since... Uh, obviously the Chappelle show on comedy central. I did think that it was his whole, his act was a little too long on one specific subject, but I think he was still to call Dave, Dave Chappelle a comedian is an, an understatement. He's more of a, he's now just turned into a philosopher. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember Dave Chappelle when he was in half baked, do you remember oh, that movie? Yeah. I think it was like back in the 90s. It was and he 90, was just some, like 90s. Oh, damn yeah. It was in the 90s. It was it was, like his, it. Whole, his whole thing was, I like to smoke weed and I like to make jokes. That's, that was really it. It's yeah. like, eh. When he got his own show on Comedy Central, he Most started to change in a good way. Yeah, he, he pushed the limits. I mean, he, he always, from Chappelle's show on, he really pushed the limits. I mean, come on. Who does a black blind white supremacist you know what i mean yeah like that you know certain shows like you'll watch especially comedy shows that the first episode is so damn good that you know like oh my god i have like this is something that's going to change the culture 
And that's exactly what Chappelle's show did. And, you know, it was sad to see it, it go, but you also understood the reasoning why he, he left at that point. But that also brings it back to like where it is now. Like, I completely agree with you. And, you know, not for the timid listener, like the subject, like to me, I found like a lot of it wasn't really comedy. It was more like he used it as an opportunity to kind of just vent. And he vented about the fact that it, it, in a way, like this is something I agree with some of his like critics is that, yes, it was, this was more of a special in which it wasn't really so it was commentary on what is happening in society now but specifically on one portion of it which is cancel culture and the things that get you canceled and so for him dave at least recently i was gonna say recently within the last like couple of specials he's done he's he pokes jokes on the gay community and lg and trans specifically more than anything and to me I'm not a person within the community so it's hard for me to speak on how it would make me feel I'll just put that out there but I see him making jokes but at the same time he always tries to bring it back to kind of say like I'm not against it but I'm also trying to process what I'm seeing and the change in which is happening but then also bringing commentary on how strides that have happened within the LGBT community, which has elevated them to a higher status, which is good. But in comparison to say, ethnic minorities like black and Latinos, you still see a harsh divide. And that's where like this whole commentary on the baby with the met, like showing the comparison, how, you know, guy who's a rapper killed a guy, but put the caveat, it was in self-defense. It wasn't as though he went and just ran up in a spot and killed the dudes. People were trying to get like, uh, like assault him with his child there. And he was protecting himself. But the fact that he was like, you got a guy who can kill a black man and sell millions of records. But when he says something that isn't to the liking of the community, because it's found offensive, you find that his whole economic situations changed. Like granted the baby is still making money, but you know, he's not getting booked for those high end type of performances that he was previously getting booked for. And I think really the main thing is, is where does it stop when people are, their livelihoods are being taken away? Like there's one thing to be offended and to make your, 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 your protest, your, your protestation, um, no. You know, it's like, yo, I'm not feeling this. I'm not going to watch this. Or, you know, and I would advise other people not to if this is what you're for. But people are going at him, like, to the point where they want to just take people's career. And I don't think he's talking about it him specifically because, like Dave would say, I'm rich. Like, he's rich. He got his check. He's good for the rest of his life. His kids are good and their kids are good. But also, it's like, are we going to get to a point where we stop trying to destroy people? It's like, if... We can make our, our protest, like we can protest and make it known that we're offended. And if people are willing to come to the table and have a conversation, then you should allow them. And at the same time, you should also allow people to evolve from where they were previously. And I think that's where we get with this idea of cancel culture. And I think it's only been intensified because of the polarization that we've faced within the last like 
like eight years really and then the hyper like the overdrive it was during the trump administration but i think now we're as this dust settles from the overall like 24-hour news cycle of always feeling as though you know we're living on impending doom it's like everything else is kind of like hitting those surfaces and this is one of these things too but i mean was it his best special like at the end of it no like it really wasn't you know, he's gotten to a point where he's, I think he's passed a certain level and he needs to take some time off and rejigger certain things. And, but I also think that people should be given an opportunity to express what it is that they feel. He's a comedian. He's going to poke fun at stuff. Like it's, if his, if his direct words are leading to the killing of people, that's something, but if they're not, and if you're upset, okay, you could express that, but are we going to just start trying to destroy companies, destroy people just because people's feelings are hurt? I, I, I don't agree with that. And I think that's really one of the, the broader things too. Like both sides, both arguments have like, there's validity in both of it. But I, at, the, at the end of the day, I think people need to just, art is art. It's going to offend people. Suck it up and move on though. I like to Carlos said, obviously we're not, basically we're just to distill this whole controversy and uproar is that dave chappelle's like Charles said latest special is is overwhelmingly overwhelmingly devoted to trans i don't even know what to call it it's not even issues just the trans community i have no idea it's, I don't the know trans com- it's he'll and, poke he, he like it's like he's it, and a lot of the time, I think people are kind of just like mad, like the way that he comes across, at least in my perspective, is almost like a curious kid in a way of being exposed to certain things and also almost putting like in his perspective of, of, of a certain level of board, like I wouldn't say borders, that's a hard word, but certain factors that kind of can't be like taken over like he you know just as an example he speaks to the idea that you know to there is always going to be a difference between a person who transit who was born as a male and transitions to a woman or vice versa as opposed to those who were born within that category because there's reproductive aspects to that physical form that aren't present in that person and like it like I, I see what you're saying but then it's like how could you be offended by a reality which is like that's that's legit it's not saying that you yourself can't identify as a woman but there are certain things that do that are for you know for females in that sense you know and i think that's it's it's all about freaking language man at this point it's so annoying it's like i don't know it's exhausting I just want, I sometimes know. i just want to go to sleep <laughs> I'm confused. Obviously, we always can be uh, empathetic, yeah. even though we're not part of of, uh, of one community or one thought or whatever. It doesn't have to do about this specific issue. It, this issue with the current Dave Chappelle special. But earlier today, I was I read an article in Vanity Fair about again this Dave Chappelle special with the trans community, and my initial thought after that article was okay what do you want to do about it i don't i i i don't know like do you want to just pull the special from netflix do you want to yes, ne- you want netflix to fire are, are, dave Chappelle? 
Do you well, want Dave Chappelle's fire? done with his. He's done with his like contract with Netflix. So, do you want to fire Dave Chappelle into the outer space to go to Mars? I I don't know, but it's I don't know what to think. I that's it. There you go. We're gonna we're gonna put a bow on there by saying I don't know what to think. Yep. And you know <laughs> what? I think that's kind of where we have to be in this time. Change is something that's very it hap- it's happening so quickly. And faster at, at, at any clip, but I think every single generation has said that. But I think people need to just have the opportunity to just be like, yo, I don't get it. Just, that's it. I'll, I'll tell you this, my friend. And that's fine. Dave, Dave Chappelle's going through this, but you know who wouldn't have to go through this? Who? Clayton Bigsby. He wouldn't have to go through this. Oh, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> Clayton no. Bigsby is the, <laughs> is, is the character that DiCarlo referenced about the, uh, the black blind white supremacist <laughs> yep funniest bit ever man seriously that's just so classic <laughs> clay bigsby is someone that needs to go that that needs to grow a beard and to go hiding because how could you be how could you be black blind and a white supremacist it's oh they're it's there hilarious. they're a lot don't get it twisted there are hilarious. i'm not blind maybe <laughs> blind in the sense of what the world is but they're mm. definitely like that dude who's at every trump rally who has blacks for trump sure like that dude is i yeah. i he might be a prop that trump hires but he's now he's like at every single rally uh what uh, no idea Strange i have time. no idea about that because i'm a baseball man i st- stick to sports okay and by sticking to sports our last segment grow a beard and go into hiding I want to talk about the Boston Red Sox infielder, Raphael Devers, and his disgusting spitting habit. Have you seen this, Carlo? Yes, I did. It was disgusting. He's He's been on this for years now. He came up, I think, about four or five seasons ago. He says that he chews gum and sunflower seeds. That that in itself sounds crazy to Carlo. Why would you chew gum and, and, and the seeds? It would just stay in your mouth. I, I don't know. So as Maury Povich, one of the great, um, one of the great daytime shows in America culture says, that's a lie. That's a lie. Because homeboy, Raphael Devers, my friend, not my friend, he does chew or tobacco, whatever it's called. Like when you put that chew in the bottom of your lip. They call it dip. Dip. There you go. Dip, chew, whatever you want to call it. It is disgusting. Disgusting. Originally, baseball players used dip for a legitimate reason. Because back in the 19th century, back when the Atlanta Braves were still playing, where the Boston, Boston Red Stockings were playing, the players used chew because it would keep their mouths moist during the dust bowls. This was even before, you know, the Great Depression. This is probably like 40, 50 years before the Great Depression. And so when it's all that, you're choking on dust, you need something to keep your mouth moist. So they would use chew. And it just has been happening now for over 100 years. But I just think it's gross because every time I watch all five, all four games of the Boston Red Sox against the Tampa Bay Rays playoff series, and every single time Raphael Devers came up, he had this huge bulge in the bottom left 
part of his mouth to Carlo, and he kept spitting every single time that he. And it was just, it's just disgusting. And now I have to watch more of Raphael Devers. Now that the Boston Red Sox are going to play the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series, that I'm not looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a great series between these two teams. Maybe even Gra- uh, Grouch. What is it? The Sesame Street character, the Carlo. I Oscar forget his name. Oscar, maybe Oscar the Grouch. Maybe Oscar the Grouch makes an appearance, but it's disgusting. Uh, at the same time, back for about 20 years between the 1920s and 1940s, every baseball team actually had a tobacco, tobacco, tobacco sponsor. And the stars would also advertise uh, cigarette commercials, I guess. Didn't Joe DiMaggio from the Yankees also? They all did. <laughs> tobacco industry was like oil. It was like big mm. money oil back in the day. And it's all, it really was just those lawsuits. Once they were able to find the common link between, between uh, like cigarettes Answer. being carcinogen. Yeah. Like, but you know, it's so funny. They found the link between like <laughs> fossil fuels and climate change, but yet we can't even <laughs> We can't cohesively come to an agreement to start changing our, you know. It's money because it's the money. tobacco industry has bought the best government that you can buy. Ladies and well, gentlemen, you mean if the you... oil industry because tobacco didn't because they're they're not that great. Okay. Well, they were they were untouchable for decades. Yeah. Decades. Were. Probably even a hundred years. Yeah. Probably more than that. I mean, because that was like the big draw from the American tobacco. Yeah. But anyways, people, baseball fans. I know you're in agreement with me. Raphael Devers, grow a beard, go into hiding, and quit chewing on chew slash tobacco. It's disgusting. It is, but you know what's not disgusting? Giving us shout-outs to our new listeners. So we got new listeners, shout-outs to those in Neuss, Germany, Denver, Colorado, and Brunswick, Maryland. And with that said, we are wrapping it up. So thank you for listening to our podcast where we talk about baseball, drinks, Oscar the Grouch, and everything else under the sun. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review and rate us. It helps with the analytics. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040 and on Instagram. Our account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP. And enjoy the playoffs, people. Hit your baseball podcast. Peace.